Hello and welcome to School Growth Mastery, produced by Enrollhand, where we help schools, preschools, colleges and universities find their voice, connect with their ideal parents and grow their enrollment. We will bring on a diverse list of guests from school heads, admissions officers, marketing experts, parents and more, each with a unique insight into how you should grow your school in this changing landscape. Thank you for listening. Angelo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I wanted to start by uh, helping our audience uh, learn a little bit about you. So how did you end up in admissions, Angelo? Sure. So I had a really um, long college process as a high school student, figuring out where I wanted to go. I had a long list of over 100 schools across the country. (laughs) And I thought to myself, how am I going to figure this out? Um, Being a digital native growing up with the internet, always in my pocket, um, I found it very, um, you know, you had a lot of access to uh, different resources online, but, you know, which resource was the right resource? What you see online, is that the same as what you hear about in person, whether it's through an admissions counselor or by actually visiting the school, the student perspective versus the, um, you know, staff perspective, professors and all that. So uh, that got me really interested in the idea of admissions. And how I figured out, you know, which school was the right school for me um, was uh, like a mystery to me. And that until I actually um, found out that I really wanted to focus on a school that was close to home for me, but not too close to home because, um, you know, the media and everything tells us that uh, college should be this, you know, extraordinary experience. And there's a lot of pressure on us to figure out that right school. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about that process. I was incredibly involved in college. I was able to join so many clubs and organizations and, um, you know, it really had a huge impact on me throughout those four years in college. And so uh, I wanted to continue working at a university. Um, I wanted to give back in that same way that people gave back to me and become that mentor and that person to go to for help um, to learn more about the college process. That's great. And, and do you see admissions or maybe enrollment in the future being your main career going forward? Are you open to taking different directions as you move along? Sure. So I'll tell you a little bit about my academic background. So I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology with minors in media, arts, health and wellness and women and gender studies. Now, I didn't think I was going to do all those different things when I first you know, walked onto campus, but attending a university, I was exposed to many different backgrounds that I wasn't really exposed to in high school. And so um, I find myself and I describe myself as very interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary. So I feel like my skill set can do a lot of different um, things. I've had a lot of different internship opportunities. I had you know, five or six internships when I was in college, which isn't typical. But I found that the best way for me to learn if I like something or not is to actually go out and do it. I love hands-on experiences. And so uh, I'm flexible for my future, but I do really love admissions right now. <laughs> and let's let's dig deeper into what you mentioned earlier. I mean, you talked about being a digital native. You talked about all the research you had to do to make the, the right choice for your education. Today, where do you see that going? To what extent is the digital uh, space being more important compared to offline activities such as open houses and uh, actual visit, actually visiting the campus? I think it's really important for the universities of today to demystify the college admissions process. 
And so what I mean by that is you have to make things as clear as possible. You don't want to oversell a school just because a school has, you know, beautiful marketing and, you know, great pictures and, uh, you know, great, um, you know, uh, statements from students doesn't mean that it's exactly like that in person. So I think a challenge for today's universities is to really um, demystify that process and really, um, you know, keep institutional integrity um, as best they can. So. I think that an admissions counselor has a really important part of that because they have to translate that. They have to translate everything that a student will find out online into what it actually is for them. And college can mean something different for every kind of student, um, many different majors and stuff like that. College might try to market specifically to a certain major because some colleges are better at some things than others. There isn't, there aren't many colleges out there that are the best at everything, right? So um, there's many different reasons for students to select a college and university. Um, and the resources, especially online, can be hit or miss for students. I think that the future is in video. I think that the future is in short videos, <laughs> like Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, Snapchat, you know, it, it's a platform that students are using a lot more nowadays than Facebook and Instagram. They're using more than Facebook, but I think Facebook is still um, important. Facebook for us at Caldwell University is like a meeting place for people to get started. And so they'll connect to other students that way. And then they'll take everything else offline to a platform like GroupMe or um, Snapchat or anything like that. So I think by providing students the space to be able to meet up and, and meet other students like themselves, I think having a peer perspective is important too. It's always been fascinating to me to how admissions make that transition from the digital world where uh, a college builds awareness, uh, targets right fit students nationwide, uh, and then make the university from as approachable as possible. H how do you keep that balance? I think it's important for the student to also be a part of this process as much as the parents are, because sometimes parents will take over the process and the student won't be as aware of their options or um, the university's reputation to a parent might be different than the university's reputation to a student. And I think that you build upon that reputation through the different media that you put out there, as well as um, success stories that parents hear, that everybody hears. I think that the best way to do this is to really connect students to the right resources. Again, the, the internet has so much out there. People have all these statistics about universities and stuff like that, but do students really understand what a statistic like an acceptance rate means or like retention rate? And so by showing them, hey, this student, like myself, went through the process, came out successful. What's their story like? Can I see myself in their shoes? Can I see myself being here? Um, a student has to have a self-realization or a self-actualization um, to be able to really um, get the most out of their college search process. And how do you see your role at Caldwell as a senior admissions counselor? Where, where do you fit in there? I'm the kind of guy who will introduce you to the right people. Yeah. I can sell the university only so much by myself, but I think that you really need to talk to students and you really need to talk to professors and, and community influencers to be able to share their stories. Um, institutions should do their best to... Um, not be as fake or um, try to be more uh, less scripted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when yeah. students go on campus tours, they might get the, you know, repeated, you know, lines all the time and stuff like that. But I think people need to do their best to be as genuine and as real as possible. And if we put that into this year's priorities, what are 
your key initiatives, your key priorities for 2019, let's say? We work with a program called the Day Visit Program at our institution. So that's something that we offer students to be able to come to campus and actually sit in on a class, follow a current student, and have lunch with them, as well as meet with a financial aid counselor or meet with myself during the day. I think that, again, putting them in another student's shoes, seeing what it's like from their perspective is the best way to do that. Now, if you take that into the digital realm, I think it's important to keep texting your students but not just cold texting them, but texting them individually, specifically, try to find out what they're all about. So when you meet a student, let's say their junior year or their senior year, I think it's important to take notes on these students, to take notes on the interactions that you have with them, because that'll really matter to them most in the end of the process is that you're the person that they've really been going to and they feel comfortable with. I think in today's world, students might not want to trust admissions counselors or the admissions process as much as we hear about in current events and stuff like that, I'm sure. But yes. Building trust with a student is the most important thing. And if you're using the platforms that they're using, they'll feel more comfortable. Um, students have a lot of pressures on them from school, from the media, from their parents to pick the right college. And really, they're taking a leap of faith. So you're that person that they're really going to love or hate for their college choice. <laughs> yes, exactly. So when you meet a student, a prospective student on campus, what do you have uh, uh, their profile? What kind of data do you have upfront? And in order to continue the relationship and continue building trust, what are the key elements you're looking to, to address? What are the challenges for the students usually? Um, sometimes we feel in our industry that it's very sales. And by that, I mean, you're talking to a student like they're a product or like they're the consumer of the product being the university. So I think it's important to be as real with them and as genuine with them as possible. Um, one way that I do that is I take notes when I meet them for the first time at their high school. Um, you know, things like clubs and majors and stuff like that help with that. But I think even more so you want to ask um, about their background and you want to ask about, you know, their family. You want to ask about what they do for fun, uh, because college isn't just about the academics. It's about the whole experience. It's about the clubs and organizations. It's about the, the mentors that you're going to meet in and out of the classroom. It's about the peers that you're going to make lifelong friends with. And so, yeah, you got to really paint that picture for them. And, and some students are harder to work with than others. You might have a student that's very outgoing. They're a go-getter. You might have a student that's incredibly shy. So um, just, you know, asking targeted questions, I think, to help them open up a little bit more, asking them open-ended questions and not being afraid to, like I said, use their platform online, um, talk to them um, in ways that they would understand pretty clearly um, and, again, paint that picture for them. So are you, to an extent, a one-man show? I mean, do you start a relationship and build a relationship from scratch with uh, each student? Or do you rely on someone in, in the organization to also relay some info prior to uh, meeting students? So it's a, an organization. It's a team effort here uh, as far as purchasing names and data. You know that a lot of students, most students will not reach back to us, but there's always a percentage of, let's say, that 30,000 people, right? that keep in touch with us, that want to learn more about us. Um, it starts with your marketing. And then once students show interest and demonstrate interest to us and they want to talk back to us, I think that's the best thing that you can ask for. At that point, 
It's about getting them to visit campus. It's about getting them to open up a little bit more, share their dreams, share what they want their future to look like, and um, any fears or challenges they may have along the way. Um, try to give them enough by speaking with them to give them enough support to show them that they can be successful and they can thrive in today's world because students are worried about jobs. Again, they're more anxious than ever before. So um, we can't guarantee their success in the future, but the best thing we can do is to present them a case to show them that we have all the resources and more to help them if they choose to take advantage of those resources. And if I asked you high level, the channels you use, what percent Go, goes uh, of your effort in general goes to digital outreach what percentage goes to offline uh, what percentage goes to follow up after that sure so um i'm actually in charge of the um facebook group for us at caldwell university okay great so, i think an important piece of the social media is to not attack students too much or not um get in their face too much because then they'll feel like you're pushing them too much and they lose interest. So what do students want to hear about? They want to hear about campus events. They want to hear about student life. They want to hear success stories again. So um, I'm not sure what percentage of my job does that, but I think that it's important for admissions counselors of today to weave in social media as a part of their um, admissions process. And I think even more so, you need to propose value Like, how does your institution give them what they need to succeed in multiple ways through speaking with them on the phone, speaking with their parents, texting them, speaking to them on social media, presenting the university, marketing the university on social media, because everything has to tie in together. You don't want a piece of that chain to break apart. Like if you tell a student that we have a really supportive community and then they hear something about a student's experience where, you know, a student didn't have the best experience, that's not good. So Um, it's, you can't be perfect. You're always going to have situations that you can't control, but it's important to really, um, give students a window that they can see into and try to put themselves there and see themselves there. And at any given moment, Angelo, how many open conversations may be, may you be, uh, juggling at the same time? (laughs) There's different, (laughs) it's seasonal. What we do is seasonal. So in the fall, you'll see, you know, hundreds of emails for me. And I work at a small university, so maybe my numbers aren't as, you know, large as a, a big public university but because I work at a small private university. But. Yeah, Caldwell is, um, what is it, uh, 2,500 to 3,000 students? It's about uh, 1,600 undergraduate students uh, who I primarily work with. So oh, you freshman class is, is looking between like 500 and 600 students, I'd say, okay. of which I'm responsible for about 100 of them. Okay, interesting. We're rolling admissions, so that's what makes this interesting and seasonal because we'll have a large influx of students in the fall, a little bit of quiet until now, March, April, and that's when students really dig a little bit deeper. At the same time, right about now, we're working on the juniors who are going to become seniors next year. So I think admissions counselors do a lot of juggling sometimes. And so if we if we focus on your sophomores um you've been doing a lot of stuff on retention too Mm -hmm. Um, and you talk a lot about this sense of belonging what are some initiatives that uh, help in that direction 
it's really important for uh, sophomores and freshmen to really feel welcome on campus. You know, it's an it's a full cycle uh, mindset. So students who hear about us in high school become current students who enroll, become alumni who graduate and give back so that future students will see that and want to be in their shoes. So one retention initiative that we have that we created last year was called the Sophomore Challenge. Okay. And with this, students explain to us um, how has Caldwell made a meaningful impact to you and what do you bring to the Caldwell community? Like what's something that you're proud of, essentially? So students will create a piece of artwork. They'll uh, write a poem. They'll do a video. Um, sometimes it's a performance. And this is one way for students, sophomores, to really show that they are doing some cool and interesting stuff here. So you want to definitely highlight that. At the same time, freshmen and other class years will see that and they'll say, hey, I can do that. I want to be that person. And that'll give them a reason to get more involved on campus or uh, dig a little bit deeper into their studies or into an area they're, they're not as familiar with. And I, I bet you use that as content tool for prospective students. Absolutely. So again, you want to showcase those success stories. You want to show students from, you know, all over the state, all over the country, all over the world, because we also have a large um, international student population at Caldwell University. And that could be difficult for students who are, you know, going to a campus, living on campus. They have to really find their place here. And I think that your community is the biggest part of that. You need the entire community to be able to help you with that. Like it's not a one person job. So your professors have to connect, your administrative staff have to connect, your president needs to engage with the campus, and um, that all comes into the big picture of, you know, who are you as a university? What would be interesting for us and our audience is to give us also a bit of context on how you navigate internally. What are the personal relationships internally, and how do you navigate them? Everyone needs to talk to each other, whether they're at the top, the bottom, or everywhere in between. Everyone's going to have a different perspective about the university. So we need to share all of those stories and tie them together. So every admissions counselor works with a different area. They have a different territory. Their students are going to have unique needs. Their students are going to have different kinds of you know, ideas of who they want to be and where they want to go. So by talking to each other within admissions, the enrollment management team, also, with the different uh, staff members and faculty members, we should have meetings regularly, um, at least maybe like once or twice a semester, you know, minimally, so that we can tell those stories so that we have the latest information about the program. I think sometimes universities have a really great year or, um, you know, they have a really good run, let's say, and they'll focus on that for a couple of years in their marketing. But I think it's important for marketing to stay current and to stay relevant. You'll see it on some admissions packets that you'll see students who graduated five you know, or more years ago. Right. right? So, and, and I personally have seen that some of my friends on some of those marketing materials. And I said, how is that still possible? Right. <laughs> Just because it's such a great picture, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, you have to keep it. You could always find new students. But I think when students see that, when students say, hey, that's my friend on the cover of that um, magazine or whatever that is. Um, it'll connect them and it'll help your word of mouth spread within that school too. And and how are you structured though? I mean, with is marketing um, baked into admissions is marketing and communications a separate entity and you have uh, frequent meetups. H- how are you structured? 
So our associate vice president um, basically speaks with us about this and they make the decisions on marketing. So he's really great with us because he still stays connected with us. He talks to us, you know, every day about really? this kind of stuff. And we have weekly meetings. So if we want to bring something up in a weekly meeting, I love that they're willing to hear our ideas and, um, you know, test them out, so to speak. And then he works with a team of uh, marketing associates, people that we hire, as well as people internally um, for our marketing. So that's really interesting because from our experience, I mean, daily and weekly meetups and feedback loops are not, it's not something that we've heard very often. And uh, that's why I asked the question about navigating the, the channels internally too, if you like, because it's quite rare. It's important for top level people at a university to have an open door policy, I think. Uh, sometimes, you know, people will be afraid or they'll be intimidated by, you know, upper level or executive administrators. So I think it's important to just have meetings with them, have social events with them and be able to open up that channel of communication, like you said. Because I think that, you know, uh, people at my level or below my level have important input and values and stuff like that. Um, administration especially should be talking to students, of course, um, maybe having an open forum on campus where students can demonstrate their concerns or um, with the Alumni Association talking about their successes. Again, it all the whole team has to work together uh, to really make a university successful. What are your key metrics, your key KPIs in terms of enrollment or retention or both? I mean, you wake up every day. What are the two, three numbers you have in mind that you can go back to and measure your progress, measure whether or not you are improving? What are these numbers? Texting has been a huge indicator for me. So students that keep in touch with me, um, I have all their text messages that I can look back on and search, you know, keywords and stuff like that. And it all ties into our CRM. So um, seeing that a student will text me, you know, they're, they're using their personal cell phone. Um, I think email is a little bit less personal nowadays, especially since, um, you know, emails are mostly generic. Although they have unique fields, sometimes students don't feel like they're as personal as a text message. Correct. I can throw in emojis into a text message. You know, I can send photos and links to videos and stuff like that. And I think that students really connect again through that channel because that's what they're most comfortable with. It's an, their, their cell phone is with them all day, 24-7, right? I, and so you I, use a text messaging more than Messenger, like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, yeah. or... Texting is definitely the easiest and quickest way to get in touch with the student and to have their questions answered quickly. What's funny is that students might even text me at midnight, 1 a.m., and they're surprised that I'm still awake. <laughs> and then that shows the dedication, I think, too, on my end. Especially that, you know, if they're out of state or even... Uh, international students, they won't even realize the the time difference sometimes. Exactly. So that that's a good point, too. Um, students have lives, you know, outside of just the college admissions process. Some people assume that this is all they're thinking about 24-7. But, you know, senior year is very busy, especially for students nowadays. They're trying to get involved with more clubs and organizations, maybe take their SAT or ACT exams one more time. Um, so I think it's important to respect the student's time as well. That's why I said before that you really shouldn't push students too hard because yes. you don't want to be like their parent that's nagging them 24-7. You know, you want to be understanding of their situation and um, give them the time that they need. I think uh, an important thing that I do with texting specifically is that I'll text the student and make an appointment to speak on the phone. 
no, because no. we know that we'll cold call students all the time. They won't recognize the number and they won't pick up because they don't know who it is. So by initiating that conversation, by having the appointment, I think they're a little bit more serious about speaking with you. They can prepare questions for you versus, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> and they've saved you as a contact too. So if in the future you call them, they'll pick up, they know who, who's calling them, etc. Exactly. And the uh, technical question, you said your messaging feeds into the CRM or is it only the emails that feed into the CRM? We get the messages, I believe, that we send out. Okay. So um, as far as emails, emails are all integrated into our CRM. So I understand texting is one of your key channels, uh, at least for prospective students. Yeah, and I, and I target students with texting differently as well. So if they're out of state, if they're nearby, within commuting distance, if they're living on campus, sometimes even by their major. And then sometimes if a student isn't texting me, I'll try to reach out to them individually in a different way so that they feel special, so that they feel unique. Um, as I think that sometimes universities get lost in, in the sense that every student is just a number and that we can just send out these mass text messages to everybody. Um, but students won't answer those because they know that it's fake. You know, they're not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how do parents fit into the to the equation? Do you always reach parents through students? Is there any chance where you start and keep a, a close relationship relationship with parents first? Do you meet them mo mostly on campus? How how do they fit in? We cannot ignore parents in this process. It's very important to keep the parents included. At the same time, you'll find that sometimes what a parent sees is not exactly what a student sees mm -hmm. and vice versa. So you need to build different relationships with parents and students, I think, at first, and then speak to them as a group maybe, connect the dots, so to speak, because a parent might be more concerned about money, whereas a student might be more concerned about student life. And you might even see the opposite. Sometimes a parent wants a student to have a really, you know, fulfilling and enriched um, social life at a university, and a student is more concerned about academics. So it's a team effort, I, I, especially with loans and stuff nowadays. You know, parents need to be the co-signers on that. And I think that if a student truly believes in a university, then, then that their parents um, should be on board with that. And again, vice versa, if a parent really believes in a university, you have to make sure that the student is on board with that. So you cannot ignore parents in this process. Yeah. And how often is your cold outreach, let's say marketing, uh, is it tailored mostly to students? Is it tailored mostly to parents um, uh, equally 50-50? I think at first we mostly focus on the students. Once I start doing phone calls in about December, I'll call the student and I'll try to call the parents as well, um, just so that they're aware that they're applying or interested in our university. Because as I said before, a lot of students will do their research online on their own and parents won't be involved in that. So I think that parents will trust their students a little bit more nowadays than maybe 10, 20 years ago in that search process, because parents know that you know students now are digital natives, that they should be aware of the resources online and that parents may not feel as comfortable on a computer. Although we can't stereotype, you know, or, or by generation, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but, but what you're saying is interesting. I mean, that they form opinions and maybe even a decision separately. And maybe they converge further down the line when they're further into your funnel. 
but at first you talk to them separately, even on the phone. Yes. Um, it's rare that a student will include their parents on a, on a group phone call or like speaker phone or something like that. But I, I do see that. Uh, I think more so the student has a big influence on this decision or the parents have a big influence on the decision. And then they have to figure that out on their own. Once I present them a case, once I present them the facts and everything and, you know, they come to visit campus, then I think at that point, the parents really need to work with the student on the decision. Good. Sure, sure. So let, let's, uh, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit on how you see the profession moving ahead uh, in the near or medium term. Wh- what are the key challenges you see coming your way in the next five years, let's say, in whatever, uh, within admissions? Something that I can't control is that the number of high school graduates is decreasing, and especially where I work in New Jersey. Um, additionally, New Jersey is the largest exporter of college students. You know, nobody wants to stay in New Jersey. Everybody wants to get out. Mm-hmm. And so I have to make the case against that. I have to say, you should stay. And this is why, you know, admissions counselors, I think, in New Jersey have to really open the door in a unique and genuine way. Like I said, uh, Gen Z especially needs to have those Internet resources, videos, promotional materials and stuff like that. We need to get to know them better so that we could build that trust with them and get them to stay in New Jersey, despite what the media tells them, despite what their parents tell them, despite what their schools tell them. Um, and it's not like I don't want them to leave. Right. I always want a student to find the best opportunity for them. And if that's not called well, then that's OK, as long as they find the best option for them. But so you see yes, we do have some challenges. a bit as a coach to whether or not they end up as at Caldwell. Uh, it would be great if they if they do, but even if they don't, you've done uh, your job in advising them and helping them make the right choice. I think it's important for admissions counselors to have good morals and ethics, especially doing this kind of stuff. So I would never want to sell them my university on engineering because Caldwell doesn't offer engineering. But you know, some admissions counselors will do whatever it takes to get a student to attend there. Um, and that's why I think it's important to really build that trust with the student to show them the full depth of their decision that they're trying to make and show them um, all the different aspects of your university, because it's not just about academics, but it's also about the different um, activities that they're going to have, the lifelong friendships that they're going to make and the mentors, um, you know, that will keep in touch with them even after they graduate. Yes, of course. Talk to us a, a bit about tuition. Is uh, I've I've read that Caldwell, uh, in a number of publications, is ranked in the top twenty-five uh, best value schools. What is your strategy, and is that becoming harder going forward uh, to quote unquote again sell uh, your tuition? What's the strategy there? I think it's important to translate what's on paper to what. Um, the reality is. So what I try to do a lot of the time is give them perspective. So um, being a small private university that is um, focused on, you know, let's say like tuition revenue um, for that. So, or tuition dependent. So Caldwell University is tuition dependent. That means that our tuition pays a percentage of our, um, you know, fees for everything that happens on campus. At the same time, tuition is a sticker price. Mm -hmm. So students, don't always pay that price that you see on the pamphlets. I try to explain at that point that you need to look at net costs. And so 
the net cost of Caldwell after financial aid on average is about $12,000 compared to, let's say, a $34,000 tuition that we have. Families who are first time applying to college, who don't have experience in applying to college, who haven't had siblings apply to college, um, might not understand the concept of um, financial aid, merit-based financial aid, as well as need-based financial aid. So um, having a flexible fee waiver is important for universities to kind of break down that barrier because tuition can definitely be a barrier or sticker price tuition can definitely be a barrier for a lot of students. And let's uh, maybe finish off, Angelo, with a question about the the profession, the admission, a career in admissions. Let's say that tomorrow um, you are promoted to chief admissions officer okay and let's say you have to make a few hires to complete your team or to reinforce your team what's the let's say top three characteristics you would look for in a hire so i don't think that um everyone has the same let's say skill set or abilities i think that a good admissions team has is an all-star team composed of with people of different strengths and stuff like that. So you might have one person that's a little bit more outgoing. You have one person that's a little more shy, one person that's better at this or that. Um, I think it's important to have a diverse team of people who really are connected to each other, that communicate with each other throughout all different levels. And with that, each of them brings their unique perspective to the team for the overall mission, um, you know, and values of that university to really come alive. Um, especially if you're promoting yourself as a, as a diverse institution, as an institution that's really understanding as an institution that has a really strong community. If your office doesn't have that, then it's going to be really hard for you to sell that to a student or a family. When you host an event like an open house, you're not going to be the only one talking to your students. You're going to have other admissions counselors talking to your students that you've been working with as well. So I think that it's important to really share those values and share that mission um, with your whole team and staff. Because, you know, if you have uh, a piece of your staff, let's say that's not as strong as the other, um, or maybe they're not performing to that ability or being as genuine or upfront with someone, you're going to run into some issues down the road because, um, it takes a whole you know, team to get a student to come to campus. And we know that it's not just my job, but it's the entire community's job to really uh, help a student feel welcome and make them uh, or help them realize that this institution is the right institution for them. That's great, Angelo. And I mean, I remember myself when I was applying to university, having a great admissions counselor both practically helps one make the right decision, but it also de-stresses the whole process. So you're making a lot of students calmer. <laughs> a lot of colleges and universities are having instant decision days nowadays. So um, what an instant decision day is, is I will go to a high school and meet with students who are interested and ready to apply to Caldwell University. Okay. And it'll be about a 15-minute interview with them. While I'm talking to them, getting to know them better, I'm grading um, them. I'm, I'm taking their high school transcripts and um, recalculating it for our own GPA, as well as reading their essay, letters of recommendation, and all that. And how many? I think this is a great how many students yeah. might you be uh, meeting in a given day? Sure. Maybe like 15 students per high school okay. on average. Great. Okay. So, by meeting with students face to face who are interested and applying. 
I can get to know them better and ask those targeted questions. While at first someone might think, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. The anxiety is through the roof because I'm meeting this person and they're going to give me a decision right away. I think that this takes away a lot of the anxiety from students who apply and wait a couple weeks or longer to hear back from a university. You know, you get to shake their hand, you get to see them in person, you can dig a little bit deeper than, let's say, what's on the essay. You won't imagine how many times I've read an essay and I felt like the essay didn't show me enough of what the student is capable of. So versus having to follow up on the phone, which might not always happen with a student, I think it's great to be able to talk to them in person, live, during the application and review process, and I can fill in those gaps that they might have. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, that it demystifies a bit the, the process. It makes the university much more approachable, and it it turns the situation into a process of making the right choice versus only being judged, let's say, by a university on whether or not. It's a win-win for everybody. Like our application numbers will go up. The students will be more comfortable with an interview process in the future for other schools because obviously we're not the only school that they're interested in. So by giving them this preparation for interviews, it'll be definitely a great first step for them um, in their future career and um, with the college or university. Of course. Uh, How many instant decision days would you do in a given year? Maybe like 20. And it requires travel? Do you do it um, within the state or do you travel nationwide? So I travel within my state mostly for the instant decision days. Additionally, something great that Caldwell does is we have an instant decision day on our campus. So there's a couple days throughout the year that the um, high schools are closed for the teachers convention in New Jersey. And so we pick one of those days every year. It's usually a Thursday when students don't have school. We invite them to our campus to get an instant decision. And we'll have maybe 100 people come out for that day. That drives up our application numbers. And it also gives students this great experience of being interviewed and hearing back in the same day whether or not they're accepted. And it's been a really fantastic event for us. Um, A lot of times this could be maybe the first or second or third visit for a student. And by getting that instant decision day in a little bit sooner, because we have this day usually in November, so it's maybe the third month of their senior year, it gets them on the right path and helps them make their decision a little bit sooner, I think. That's amazing. So it's been great having you on, Angelo. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you. Hopefully we'll have a follow-up in the fall, if you're up for that. Thank you for listening to School Growth Mastery, brought to you by Enroll Hunt. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe to our show and share this episode with your fellow educators. You can support us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. That way more school leaders like you will find us. If you want to learn more about school growth, visit our website at enrollhand.com and please do check out the links in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, goodbye for now.